0: Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is DJ Martin, church pastor at Parker Ford Church. Welcome to our ongoing midweek teaching series. We're doing this series in collaboration with North Point Community Church and Daybreak Community Church. Next week, you'll be hearing from Pastor uh, Dave Hakes as he'll jump into the series. And then in future weeks, you'll be hearing from Brandon and Shane and Vining as well. This series is on the character of God. Each week, we're talking about character traits, attributes of God, and specifically asking the questions, who is God? based on what the scriptures reveal, and how does he act in the world? And then there's always the practical side of it, of who are we in light of who God is? This whole series is being framed by this amazing quote from A.W. Tozer in his classic work, The Knowledge of the Holy. Tozer writes, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Whether or not you think maybe he's overstating his case it's clearly the case um, for those of us who uh, believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and are seeking to follow Jesus, that how we think about God is really important and that it gives shape ultimately to the way that we live. The character trait that we're talking about today is God's self-sufficiency and his self-existence. God is both self-sufficient and self-existent, which then begs the question, If he's self-sufficient, if he doesn't need anything and he's self-existent, he didn't come from anything, then why uh, did he make us? All right, to start the actual discussion today, I want you to uh, take a moment and think back as far into the past as you can. What's your earliest memory? the first memory you have as a a young child? I think uh, neurosurgeons have said that Uh, neurologists, excuse me, have said that humans don't develop the capacity to start holding long-term memories until they're about two and a half, maybe three years old. For me, that's the case. My earliest memory um, is when I was three years old. The first memory I, I have when I think back into my past before it's just a cloud of nothingness the first memory I have is my little sister. I have two younger sisters. The, the older of the two younger sisters. Um, my first memory is her coming home from the hospital as a baby, which I would have been three years old at the time. That's that's the first memory I can grab onto. I love history and I love reading about history. So I can, you know, talk about various events that happened in the past. We can, you know, looking back in human history, recorded history you can go back to ancient Egypt. Not much further back than that until we're getting into totally, you know, speculative guesses with cave drawings and, and uh, archaeology, digging up various campsites of roving uh, tribes in Africa and that sort of thing. Um, what the scriptures have to say about it is that God created uh, the world and he created the universe. And so if you think back into the distant, distant, distant past, um, before the material world came into existence, before the sun or the moon or the stars or the Milky Way or the, ga- you know, the galaxy or the universe itself, before the cosmos existed, already there was God, who uh, is the source point of everything else. And there is no before that moment. There's the before time and space and matter and material. But God has always been and always will be. And so when we're talking about God's self-sufficiency, we're also talking about God's eternality, the fact that he has existed forever. He exists equally into the past as he does into the future. Uh, He transcends and is outside of time. Time is bound within him. He is not bound within time. Also, when we think about the self-sufficiency of God, um, we need to think about what would it be like to have a relationship with God if he was super needy. All of us have experienced probably with a relationship, or a coworker, someone in our life who's a very, very needy person. You know, I have, I have four young kids and they are extremely needy when they're born. <laughs> um, and then the goal is that they become less and less needy uh, until they're ready to then be a provider and no longer be totally dependent. And so my expectations for my 10 year old are very different than my expectations for my three year old. And hopefully when my 10 year old is a 15 year old, they will be different than when he is a 10 year old and so on and so forth. And so there's a neediness that's inherent to being a created person. There's a neediness that comes uh, with just being codependent in a good way, dependent on other people. Um, all of us have that. But have you ever had a relationship, not with a child, but with an adult who is super, super needy? It's exhausting, right? Uh, it feels draining, exhausting. Um, and yet all of us are extremely needy. We need the air, we breathe, we need the relationships we have, we need the food, we need shelter, we need all sorts of things. Um, God alone, in his self-sufficiency, in his self-existence, has no needs, he is not a needy God. He has everything uh, required to be himself within himself. This is why the first one of the first attributes we covered uh, last week was the Trinity, that God is in perfect relationship. And we used the, the term perichoresis. He's in a, a communal dance with himself, Father, Son, and Spirit. And it's out of an overflow, an abundance of his love that he creates and calls us into relationship, not out of neediness. So, the big idea of in God's self sufficiency is that God is the source point of all that exists and is completely sufficient within himself. No one created God and he is perfectly sufficient in himself, meaning he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need anything or anyone. And yet, from an overflow of his love, he created all that exists for his relationship, uh, for relationship and glory. Tozer later on in the knowledge of the Holy. Uh, speaking about this this character, this attribute of God, he quotes from Novation. He says, God has no origin, says Novation, and it is precisely this concept of no origin which distinguishes that which is God from whatever is not God. Origin is a word that can apply only to things created. When we think of anything that has origin, we're not thinking of God. God is self-existent while all created things necessarily originated somewhere at some time. Aside from God, nothing is self-caused. God is the only self-caused, no origin thing. I love that line, that which is God, uh, origin, the concept of origin, distinguishes that which is God from whatever is not God. You know, in pantheism or or paganism: the the divine spirits of the world are all sort of commingled into the creation narrative itself. Whether that's you know ancient Babylon or the Egyptian cosmology or um, more modern forms of pantheism, uh, where spirits animate uh, the physical the physical realm, God has no origin. He he's he's not a uh, a created being. He is uh, self-existent and self. Sufficient. Um, everything else comes from Him as the source point. In uh, in his article in the Evangelical Dictionary of Theology, G.R. Lewis, talking about this concept of God's self sufficiency, says all other spirits are invisible, personal, one living and active. How does the divine spirit differ? And so he's speaking about spiritual uh, spirits in, in that regard. But how does the divine or God's spirit? Uh, Differ from that. Significant differences appear in several respects, but we first focus upon the metaphysically distinctive characteristics of God. So, the first metaphysically distinctive characteristic of God is his self existence. All other spirits are created, and so they have a beginning, they owe their existence to another. God does not have a beginning. Um, God does not depend upon the world or, or anyone in it for his existence. Contrary to those theologians who say we cannot know anything about God in himself, Jesus revealed that God has the life in himself. He said this in John chapter 5, verse 26. Lewis goes on to say, The ground of God's being is not in others, for there is nothing more ultimate than himself. God is uncaused, the one who always is, like he reveals to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, I am that I am, or I am who I am. I've always been, I always will be, I am. To ask who caused God is to ask a self-contradictory question in terms of Jesus' view of God. Another term conveying the concept of God's self-existence is aseity. It comes from the Latin a, meaning from, and se, meaning oneself. God is underived, necessary, non-dependent existence. Understanding that God is non-contingent helps to understand how God is unlimited by anything or infinite, free, self-determined, and not determined by anything other than himself. The Apostle Paul is circling around this very idea in his absolutely magnificent exploration of the person of Jesus and the beautiful opening of his letter to the church in Colossae. In Colossians 1, verses 15 and 16, and then skipping ahead a little bit to 17, he says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. He existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. In this amazing passage, you can see the Apostle Paul sort of grasping for images that will make sense, grasping for language that can sort of kind of capture the, uh, just how beautiful and wonderful Jesus is, how self-existent he is, how eternal he is. He's the source point of it all. God is the source point of it all, that without origin, the creator of it all, um, the one who uh, everything else is traced back to. And so when you think about this concept, of God being self-sufficient, um, a few questions to leave you with: What does God need? Does God need anything? Does God need you? What What if you reframe that question from "Does God need you?" to "Does God desire you?" Did He create you like you know the gods of paganism, or like you know even earthly leaders who need their followers? <laughs> every Every earthly leader needs good followers to serve them or care for them or execute execute their plan does God actually need us in that way Of course not Of course not he can accomplish everything just in and of himself he's, he's perfectly self-sufficient but does he desire us does he include us does he share with us think about Jesus saying to his disciples I don't call you servants because I've told you my plans and what I desire to do I call you my friends it's amazing that God in his self-sufficiency out of an overflow of his love for us says, that, uh, that we're his friends. Why is God's self-sufficiency and self-existence an important attribute? What do we lose in our, in our doctrine, and our belief of God as, as Christ followers? What do we lose if we don't have a good understanding of God's self-sufficiency and self-existence? What, what might be lost? How, how might our faith be weakened? How might we have a misconception of who God is and how he works in the world if we don't understand that? And finally, how might the Lord be inviting you today to grow in him as you think about uh, just the the sort of incomprehensible uh, doctrine, but really important that that God is self-existent and self-sufficient. I hope this has stretched your mind a little bit, challenged you today. I hope that it's an encouragement to continue to think well um, in Jesus and think well of God, to grow, to learn, to be a lifelong student. I hope you have a great day today. Thanks so much for joining us. Go with God. Be blessed.